Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast, where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. So over the past 20 or so episodes, yeah, it's been a lot, I've introduced you to a wide range of professionals, from coaches to external recruiters and thought leaders across talent acquisition and growth. And today, I want to feature a true badass in-house corporate recruiter, who knew he wanted to be a recruiter right out of school and now leads a huge talent acquisition division at one of the biggest brands in the world, Nike. Dustin Wilshire is a talent acquisition vet with diverse recruiting experience that spans both agency and in-house corporate settings across a wide variety of industries. And for the last eight years, he's been in the athletic footwear apparel industry. Formerly leading recruiting teams at Adidas, he is now back home in Portland, Oregon, working for a little sneaker company called Nike. He's also a world traveler, proud father, and a massive Portland Trailblazers fan. Having lived in four countries and visited over 30 in his adult life, he is recognized as a global collaborator who has been successful in adapting all that he has learned from his nomadic lifestyle to the business world. And we're definitely going to get into that. That's really interesting. What's also cool is he is the president of the Oregon Recruiters Association group. I don't know what that is, but we'll find out a lot more about the recruiters network and what that does for us recruiting professionals. But it's really about being passionate about empowering recruiters in a time when there's so many critics and naysayers out there and people just shitting on recruiters. It's time to change that. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. So we connected a few weeks back and we had a killer conversation. It was fast paced, recruiter on recruiter action. And it was awesome. And I knew this dude would be incredible for the podcast. He has a ton of energy. He is a real deal, and I'm excited to have him on the show. Dustin Wilshire, welcome to the podcast. We are on the podcast. How's it going? We're doing well, my man. Well, awesome. Let's, let's jump in. Um, let's give my tribe a little bit on your backstory, on your superhero origin story. Why don't you do that for us? Yeah, definitely. So, so at the moment, um, as you mentioned, I lead a team of recruiters for Nike focused on global sourcing and manufacturing. Uh, I've been here a little less than a year. Um, and I mean, with regards to who else I am, I definitely am a recruiter by heart. Um, as you mentioned, jumped into it at a very early stage, right out of school. Um, and then, you know, how else I define myself is as a very proud dad. I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, um, and I am a traveler. I've been all over the place. Um, and I like to like take a lot of what I've learned from uh, these experiences living abroad and traveling, try to translate them into how that helps me in business. That's um, awesome. That's gonna... kind of wraps me up. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to totally dig into that. So let, I love your story, man. I mean, especially when we connected, we just jived. And there's a very important piece. So for those of you out there, I would say, and I'm just throwing this stat out there. I just made it up because I, I heard a stat that 70% of statistics are all made up. Um, that there's very few true recruiters that knew they wanted to be recruiters coming out of school. And Dustin is one of those. He's, he's always been a recruiter. How did that happen? How'd you go down that path, man? It's a trip. I, I don't know that I actually, and, and at this point, I've got a pretty big network after having done this for quite a while. And I can't tell you another person with a similar story in the sense that right out of school, I wanted to be uh, a recruiter. And how that came about is I'm one of those frat guys uh, coming out of Oregon State University. I was heavily involved in the 
fraternity system and how that started is when I was young in there, I was looking for leadership opportunities and I just had a good time talking to people and networking and bringing people into my circle. Uh, and that led to fraternity rush. So I was just in charge of bringing in new recruits to come, to come hang out with us. And, you were recruiting uh, for the fraternity rush and you had the recruiter gene in you, man. It comes right out of Animal House, right? Uh, my experience <laughs> was quite a bit different than Animal House. It was actually very positive in the sense that I learned how to work with people. I learned leadership. I learned how to do a lot of really cool things that influence what I do to this day. And a lot of it, I credit to those guys that I lived with and teaching me and, and kind of bringing me under their wing and, and getting started. So I loved it. I, I brought people in. I, uh, the next year when I was still a student, I led uh, fraternity rush for the for Oregon State University. So I went from, from you know, focusing on my organization to all 27 right at that time and coaching and training people on how to do it effectively, uh, how to do it the right way. There's a little sense of regulation in there, which you can imagine is probably fun right. or not fun um, when it came to those kinds of things. And I was just having fun doing it, not even realizing that this is what people do professionally after yeah. they're actually out of school. And when it yeah, came time to graduate. You've been doing it since day one, man. It's in your blood. Thing, right. And, and, uh, and so when it actually came time to leave school, uh, I thought, God, what am I going to do with myself? And then I learned you can actually get paid to do this. And so entry point is often in that agency world. And I just hit it. I started going after it and I was getting rejected. I couldn't understand why. Um, and that was probably why I was getting rejected. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I finally got that entry point and I was with, at the time it was called onsite commercial staffing, which is now part of the elite group. Right. So you started on the staffing agency yeah, side where you, where you really learned. And I think that's, I think that's important too. And I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but for anyone in recruiting, I think having that experience on the agency side, really learning the art and science of recruiting and having that agency hustle. Cause I think what makes a good corporate recruiter is having that agency hustle mentality. And I'm going down a, a different, a different path there. So let me ask you this, dude, have you ever thought about doing something else in your career? Often. Um, and that's mainly from fear of, am I kind of pigeonholing myself into one thing, right? At this stage, I've been doing it for, you know, quite a while. I'm a family man and I've got kids and, you know, I just bought a house and moved back to Portland and I'm still recruiting in a sense that I'm still in the same industry. What right. I do is very different. So, right. And you've elevated throughout that organization. I mean, you're, you're, you're a manager, you're a people leader. Yeah. I mean, and it comes to working globally and collaborating with people all over the world. And I travel quite a bit for my job and I love setting recruiting strategy and solving problems. And that's essentially what my job is at Nike was to just jump into a difficult situation and figure it out and try to find ways to fix it and make it better. So, uh, and, but I still do recruit at the same time. I recruit on leadership positions, mainly back here right. um, in the United States at our world headquarters as well. So, um, you know, I love it. And every time I think, okay, maybe I should pursue more of an HR type of a path if I'm going to stick in that corporate world, um, something sucks me right back into continuing uh, with recruiting. And part of that is just the nomadic lifestyle I've had. I kind of move around and when I'm looking for new opportunities, often they're elsewhere. Um, and so that has kind of kept that drive and that motivation because I have been able to learn um, about what it's like to work in small companies. Uh, I've, you know, I feel like I'm getting my industry down right. pretty right now with an athletic you know, footwear and apparel. And now I'm working for the number one company in the world, which is very different than working for the number two uh, company in our industry. So I'm learning constantly. And so that's what's kind of kept me there is, I, you know, what's the point of changing at the moment if I can continue learning and growing and building my network? Right. As long as you're motivated and you feel like there's opportunities and you know what, like, do you enjoy getting up every day and doing what you do? For the most part, yeah. I mean, as for the most part, for the most part, right? Like we just talked about it before we went on air. Like there's some shit days. So another really cool part of your story that you talk about is your extensive travel, and not just the the travel for leisure, but you you've lived in 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 four countries. I think U.S., Denmark, uh, South Korea, and Germany, if I'm correct. And you're you're a really big believer in the value, not just of travel, but 
living abroad and how it's really shaped who you are today. Let's elaborate on that. You know, how so? Let's peel that back. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It all started when uh, so I was trying to leave, uh, you know, came time to graduate, leave university. Um, I'm one of those kids with the September birthday. So the parents were like, this uh-huh. is going to school early. Do we hold them back? They just said, nah, dude, put them in. Let them ride. Kindergarten <laughs> early. I, I go all throughout my life. It kind of sucked being a year younger than everybody to buy smokes, buy beers, all that kind of stuff. I was late, you know, driving. But when I came to graduating university, I had an extra year, basically. And that's why I looked at it as a gift. And I thought, hey, look, what can I do? I'm not ready to join this real world thing. That led to doing a study abroad. And so my buddy and I lived in Denmark as part of a study abroad through the college. Nice. State and it was amazing. I traveled Western Europe. I got to see that the world is much uh, smaller than than you really thought. Things are very different, but they're not so different. No. Uh, and I still have a massive amount of people in my network just that I met through those experiences that I rely on, you know, daily. And so then that just led to this this travel bug um, that I've had really ever since. And so I've been off trying to see parts of the world ever since then. Um, and you know, and then that led to when I got laid off as a recruiter and when the economy took a tank back in, what was that? 2008, 2009, yep. that led me to Korea. Cause I actually took a break from recruiting. Um, what would you, do break? What'd you do for money? I moved to Korea and I taught English, which is something that most folks huh. do when they get out of school. Yet I'd been recruiting for about eight years at that point. Right. So it was a little bit of a weird step to do in my career. Here's the, here's the deal. I thought the economy will get better and I will come home and land a fantastic job when the time is right. Smart. Let's go see more of the world. And so that, and then I got to tackle Asia um, at that point. And that led to so many different experiences and meeting people and just a bunch of cool shit that I got to do while living. Didn't you meet somebody pretty important in South Korea? I met my wonderful wife living <laughs> in South Korea. She's a Canadian. Uh, I'm an American. She was out there uh, teaching. She landed about three months before I did. I met her after having been there only a month. And uh, in a couple of weeks, that's going to mark, 10 years that I met her uh, in a bar called Stompers nice. uh, in Itaewon, <laughs> Seoul, South Korea, which is really close to the American military base and had a pretty rough reputation in that part of town. And uh, Stompers has live music every night of the week, and it's the top of Hooker Hill uh, in Itaewon. So you pass a few establishments on your way up the hill, uh, and that is where I met my wonderful wife. Nice. That's a great story. So switching gears, <laughs> switching gears a little bit. Um, you know, I preach in my podcast and, and on LinkedIn, the power of relationships and network really about everything. And you talk about how every job, every job that you've ever accepted came as a result of your strong network, which you started building in college exactly as I did. Everything like you is, is developed from within that, that network and that connecting and staying in touch. What advice would you give people who, who don't have a strong network? You know, maybe they just never put the time and the focus into it, but now they're like, oh shit, you know, I, I need to build up this network because I see the value in it. You know, what advice would you give people to, to build that? Start, don't, don't put it off because when your back's up against the wall, you're not going to get much out of it if you haven't started. So if everything's wonderful and great, start building your network now and do it as early as you can. Uh, and it's never too late, you know, to do it. Um, the main thing I try to tell people is that networking is a, is a whole lot more than uh, sending out a bunch of LinkedIn connections and then being really happy about how many followers you have. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause yes, you have a LinkedIn network, so to say, but how are you really going to rely on those people? Right. Um, and so how you can start to do that if you're talking the online world is just to start having conversations with people and don't reach out to say, I need something, but reach out just to have kind of a cool, in fact, I think I reached out to you and said, Hey Adam, I'm digging your podcast. Just wanted to let you know about it. Yeah, it's, dude. Stuff, right? I mean, that, that literally is a closing tagline of every podcast I have is take right. your online offline. I cannot preach yeah. that enough. And it's, you see LinkedIn right now, like I get thousands of requests, sales, people connecting. 
not trying to make those genuine relationships. Yeah. Let's talk about the, the, the key word here is authentic, authenticity. You know, and I think you kind of hit the nail on that, but like, how do you approach somebody in, a, in an authentic way to engage them in a networking perspective? I mean, honestly, it kind of comes down to, I, you know, on my end, if someone's reaching out to me, I don't want to feel right away as if they're trying to get something out of me. And as a recruiter, often that's how I feel. You know, it's like I'm kind of a gateway. Right now I'm a gateway into a career at Nike, and that's something that a lot of people want. It's going to happen, man. I'm, I'm totally happy to be in that role. In fact, I really enjoy it, and I love to be that gateway. I would love to help you. I'd love to help you get your foot in the door. But it's not, you know, like, for example, if you want to work at Nike, to be honest with you, I mean, you can network work with the recruiter. We've got 100 recruiters just here in Portland. Um, and I can't help you with the role in supply chain and I can't help you with the right. role in HR. I can help you with the role in sustainability, you know, things like that. So it's just a matter of targeting the right people and having authentic conversations. And I think your question was, what is authentic? It's just kind of genuine and looking to, and looking to get to know people rather than what can, what can you do for me kind of thing. If you can add value, that's a great way to say, Hey, look, I was talking about this and I heard you talking about this. Have you thought about this? Just kind of simple, basic conversation right. just to get to know somebody. Exactly. Um, but, you know, you're you can take it offline even even more. So if you're going to events, it's not about how many business cards you can walk away with. If I mean, I haven't had a business card in years, but I think people still, you know, use them. But it's just a matter of you know meet and greet and, and get to know people. And I think what's led to success in my area is for the most part, people meet me and they think I'm an alright guy, and and I just kind of be myself and do that and kind of go through it. Now, if people like you hope for. you're an alright guy, you know what? That's okay. Not everybody has to like you, but if you want to have a, a strong network you got to start positioning yourself to be you know to be someone that somebody thinks of when they want something or somebody thinks of right you gotta be you gotta be top of mind you gotta put yourself in those opportunities they're not just going to come to you things aren't just going to fall in your lap very few people where that really comes down to so it's interesting you know in 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 talent acquisition you know we are the gatekeepers of of the culture of the company you know we're we're screening we're, we're 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 looking for people that would, would, would mesh well. And a word that keeps coming up that kind of rubs me the wrong way is culture fit. And I personally speaking, I personally do not like that expression. I don't like fit. Fit means you're trying to push something in there. For me, it's really about finding somebody who's gonna contribute and add to the fabric of an organization. Different colors, different threads, different, different types of material that really make up uh, the, the true quilt of an organization. Where do you stand with that expression, culture fit? I hate the word culture fit, but here's why I hate it. I hate it because I feel like it's an excuse for bias. Exactly. A ton. And so, oh, they're not a good culture fit. It's kind of like... What the hell does that mean? Who are you to be the judge of culture? What it is, is it's BS because it's, like I said, I think it kind of, it kind of, uh, you know, it covers up a bias. Uh, you know, like, I didn't, I didn't vibe with them well. You know, they, they looked different than I wanted them to look. Whatever that reason might be, it's kind of a gut feeling. I try to move away from the gut as much as I possibly can. Um, and it's only because I try to have things more value-based or behavior-based or metric-based if possible, right? If you, if you can find a way to quantify decisions that you're making, then in my kind of data-driven mind, it, you know, you're making a better decision. Now, not everybody's going to agree with me when it comes to that, but I would rather base selection process on a robust interview, right? And as part of that, you're asking competency-based type questions or behavior-based type questions where you can really have a meaningful discussion around what have you encountered in this situation? What did you do to get out of it? And I don't really care if it was successful. What did you learn about it? And I think this, you know, the part as a recruiter or an interviewer, it's those probing questions. It's following up to learn more. Exactly, the secondary questions. Um, and, and that's how you're gonna learn a lot of things. So that's what's made me successful as an interview. And I think, what you know, 
on your side too, and especially coming to the podcast, how cool is it that you're doing all of that preparation, not to interview somebody for a job, but just to interview people in general. You're using a lot of those skills every day, right? I mean, it, it is. And so what's, what's, yeah. what's the first question that you ask people when you get on the phone with them on a screener? It's, it's, I mean, I, I try to kind of just do a quick introduction. Hey, look, this is who I am. This is, this is why I'm speaking to you. I like, even before I start asking questions, what I've found is when I'm working on either higher level or pretty technical types of roles, where I'm not an expert whatsoever in the yep. areas, I just know what I can pick up. I let them know that right away. And I said, hey, actually part of this, I'm going to learn from you. Um, Transparency. You know what I mean? They can smoke it out. They can smoke it out in two seconds. Totally. I know this. I don't know this. This is how I can help you, but this is how you can help me. And what I've been doing lately is giving them, like, I'm working on some pretty complicated things within, like, connected products at Nike, right? Devices that speak to each other and how do we embed that in in footwear and apparel and what's the future of all this. What I do is I spend, I mean, honestly, a good 10 minutes explaining this is what Nike does. This is connected product at Nike. This is what we do now. This is where we're trying to go. And to be completely honest with you, the most, the, the thing that people that I'm interviewing tell me was the biggest benefit is in the beginning, I let them know, this is how we're going to evaluate you. This is what good looks like. This is what better looks like. And when you hit a home run, this is what best looks like. And this is how we're going to evaluate you. Now let's frame the rest of this conversation around those things. So you can help me understand because I'm not an expert. How do you fit into that? What are these examples? And then I take that and go back and then drive the hiring team. I love it. And, and let's pause on that for a minute because I think it's really about managing expectations Absolutely. on that first call. And it's framing it up. And, and what I try to do on my calls, I don't need to hear your life story. I don't need, I have already done that. A good recruiter will do their due diligence. And the first time I'm contacting you on the phone, I've already looked at your background. I've already looked at your resume. If the first time I'm looking at it is on our call, then I'm a bad recruiter. And I don't want to waste that valuable 30 minutes I have hearing, you know, where you were born, where you were conceived. I don't need to know any of that stuff. I don't need to know your mother's maiden name and your blood type and all that. Let's get to it. And I really want to know why you're motivated. I really want to know why you're looking to leave your job. Or maybe you're not looking to leave your job. Why are you happy at your job? Yeah. And what could we offer more here? No, that's, that's, that's awesome. And that kind of leads me to the next point. Something that hits home for both of us is is recruiter on recruiter bashing. It is rampant. I mean, it's bad enough that we have to deal with shit coming from every direction. You know, LinkedIn, I mean, all day I'm, I'm getting trolled by people who say, you know, you're just a shitty recruiter. And I'm like, you don't even know me. You're like a third connection. You don't even know me. You're just jumping on here to troll. You don't know the good that we do and how hard we work and how much we really care about our candidates. And it, and it sucks, but it's even worse when it's another recruiter. It's like, bro, we're in this, we're in this together. And, you know, what do you think about this and, and what could we done, be done to fix it? I, I keep going back and I've shared this a few times with some people. If you can't love yourself, then you can't expect anybody else to love you. Right. Okay. I mean, and it's so like, it's so hippie. It's so, you know. But again, it's true, dude. People. But here's the thing, man. If you can't, if we can't love each other and help each other, all we're doing is making the situation worse. Uh, you know, recruiting is essentially covering your ass. It's, it's having the documentation. It's being buttoned up. It's mm-hmm. knowing you're doing things the right way so that later when the inevitable finger gets pointed at you, whether you're an external or an internal recruiter, it's going to happen. And you just have to know that it's going to happen. The reason why you document everything and the reason why you do things the right way is that CYA. you say, remember, we talked about this. Remember, this is what we said we were doing. And this is what's happening now. And how do we make this better so that it doesn't happen next time? And so you're going you're gonna to get the finger pointed. You're going to get the blame. But if you can find a way to gently combat that, um, that's the best way to kind of cover your ass. So that's the one piece. Now, back to your question. Um, 
when not everybody's going to do that, right? And as recruiters, we see other recruiters not doing things the right way. And it angers us because if we're trying to do things the right, right. way, well, you know. They're you know, the ones that give us a bad name. That's right. But at the same time, if I'm going to go publicly and start bashing those people, it doesn't give our industry a good name. It doesn't make me look good as frustrated as I am. It's not helping. You know what I mean? And so HR people, you got hiring managers, you've got job seekers. Another thing, I'm sick of using the word candidates. If you're a candidate, do you really want to be called a candidate? I don't know. For me, what, that what, do you, what do you want to call them? I don't know, job seekers or something. Maybe that's just a nitpicky. <laughs> Applica- applicants. I, I mean, you, yeah, you, you, applicant you, or something. you can call whatever you want. And I think what puts us recruiters in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the bullseye, in the, in the scope, yeah. that we are at the center point of getting shit from hiring managers, from clients, from candidates. And it's about how you respond and react. Right. And I think that's what's critical. And I think it's the recruiters and you hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of recruiters out there that do things that are unethical, that do things that are shady, that give us, you know, good recruiters a bad name. And we just got to stop it. Side question that kind of just came to mind. I was talking about this with somebody earlier. So if you're a real estate agent or you sell insurance, you have to get a license. Do you think there should be some kind of license or certification to be a recruiter? What are your thoughts on that? Like HRBP, like there's HR. Yeah. There's all SHRM certifications. And in fact, I think they even did one for recruiting a little bit ago. I'd have to, like a I'd real have to, one though, like you must have. So, so my, my immediate you know, reaction is, ah, oh, that's not necessary. But I think the reason why I think that is because a lot of the outspoken HR type you know, thought leaders that a lot of recruiters disagree with are constantly complaining about that. So are we, are we complaining that's not necessary just because of who's delivering the message and we don't like that person? Yeah. Or, would that actually help? And I think it would help from a sense of, uh, you know, there's no barrier to entry. Um, and so depending on how you enter, um, you know, the market, you know, who, who knows who trained you? I was trained fantastically by the folks at Onsite, which is now yep, early. Me too. It was amazing. It was really, really good. Now that proper training. Seven years, exactly. It wasn't the best fit, but I did it for a really long time. And now I take all that. And you said this before, it's a good training you're on, right? But not everybody was trained the way I was or had mentors or leaders that taught me how to do things the right and the wrong way. Um, and so that's the issue. So, I mean, if you had some kind of certification, I don't think it would be a situation where you could ever say everybody needs this. But it's interesting thought because as somebody who's looking for somebody to work with, perhaps, you know, as, as a hiring manager or an employer, you then only engage with recruiters that have that kind of a, of a, of a certification yeah. or whatnot. So I think it's interesting, um, you know, how far it gets. I'm not quite sure. What do you think? it might be a little too, too little, too late. Um, and you kind of hit the nail on the head where there's no barrier to entry. I mean, listen, anybody could start up a recruiting business. It's not that in theory, a recruiter does is it finds a company who has an opening and it finds a candidate who's looking and it matches it together and you make money on the feed. It's not rocket science, but there's a lot of elements to it that you really do need to understand. You need to understand you should know about sponsorship, OPTs, understanding visas and all that. You know, really understanding that part, understanding that certain states have different laws. In New York State, I'm not allowed to openly ask a candidate how much money they're making. Same thing in other states too, because that's a violation too. You know, my clients trust me that I'm not going to do that. But how do, how, how do I verify that? Yeah, so interesting point too. Like, you know, so you lead the Oregon Recruiters Group. Is it Oregon, Oregon? What's the correct enunciation? Out here, we would definitely um, correct you to say Oregon. 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 Anything but Oregon. Not Oregon, Oregon. <laughs> in. Got it. All right, cool. So you're doing some great work with, with that group there, and, and, and you position yourself as a thought leader within the industry. What do you think your greatest responsibility is having that position? 
what's cool about this recruiters network and, and you mentioned before not knowing too much about it i don't know how widely known it is in the sense that it's a nationwide network and it was started uh by a guy named jason boss who leads ta for mongodb software um company yeah. mm -hmm. essentially was just looking for a way to provide learning and development opportunities to recruiters um, and essentially it's a way to so let, let's say there's tons of these nationwide events that are going on all the time right featuring fantastic guest speakers um they take a lot of time away from your day job and they cost a lot of money, right? Yeah, so not everybody has enough to pony that up for themselves or they're not fortunate enough to work for an employer that's willing to pay that kind of money for them to go to these week-long conferences or whatever it might be, right? So yeah, how do we learn what we've done with the Recruiters Network is we try to bring that same experience to your city. So for the Oregon recruiters, you know, most of us are living in the Portland area. Um, and as part of that team, what we do is we have events twice a year we just had our, our our spring event not too long ago we're planning our fall event now and it's a half day you basically come spend your morning with us it's in your city we're going to get the same caliber types of speakers to come in um, to present to you um, and we're going to have you know local experts as well so for our past for our past event we had somebody come speak about the value of diversity and inclusion um, he runs dni at danaher corporation he came down um, you know from seattle area to help us out with that he's a former cool. colleague of Nike, those things. And then for the second half of the event, we actually had a, um, uh, a panel of local experts speaking about employer branding and what can we do in, and a lot of it's tailored to Portland. What can we do in our area? Who's doing things? It's hyper local. It's, it, it is, but with bringing, you know, some of the national exposure and, and the high caliber um, speakers to the, to the table as well. So do you, um, record, do, you record, do you record the sessions? Do you live stream them or anything like to document and go back to, you know, the response, like, Hey, here to the attendance, like, here's what we did today, yeah. man. Like take it all in. We've looked into live streaming. The problem is with the Oregon recruiters, the, the, the facilities that we've been using, the Wi-Fi sucks. And so we haven't been able to get a guarantee on being able to do that. Um, you got to so, upgrade from the back of the Starbucks, man. That's right. Well, we've been doing it at the Oregon Zoo, which is actually pretty cool. They've got a giant conference space. Oh, word. <laughs> it sounds kind of weird going to the zoo, but we've been able to pack about 200 people into these conference um, spaces. We're looking into doing a different location next time. Um, you know, maybe upgrading a little bit, but the zoo's been fantastic. Um, yeah, man, that's that that's that's kind of cool. I like it. Yeah. So I mean, that that's the whole goal is to provide that national experience on a local level. Um, and you know, people, you know, we get anywhere from 150 to 200 people in Oregon. If you go to Wisconsin, they've been doing this for a while. I think they packed about 350 people uh, into a conference space at some kind of Harley Davidson museum or something um, up there. And they, they've been doing this a little longer than we have in Oregon, but. Um, you know, some of the leaders from these different chapters and, and whatnot, we're now starting to talk a little bit more and we're going to be um, getting together for some kind of recruiters network offsite here coming up to share ideas and to see how we can grow the national it, um, organization as well. So if you go to the recruiters network, you can Google it. You'll see the site. You'll see where the chapters are. There's about 10 of them right now. Yeah, I'm going to take a look at that. I'm personally involved with the advisory board of the, of the organ. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to try to get myself out to that one. So. Let's get back to something pretty cool. Uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, I'm looking over at Dustin here and there's like a mountain of Nike boxes behind them. And we already talked about all the awesome swag he gets. And I think he just lives in Nike running pants. But what really, what really is the best part about working at Nike? What did they do from an employment employer perspective better than anybody else? So, I mean, Nike's got a reputation of being a stellar marketing company, right? I think that's one of the first things people think of when it comes uh, to Nike. And so we do a good job about showing why, why one, it's a, great, it's a great company in general, and two, why it's cool to work here. Um, and I think what impresses me the most is that when Nike gets knocked down, uh, man, we're so good at climbing back up and going. Um, and I think that a lot of it is, it has to do, and it's going to sound totally cliche and cheesy, but with the tagline of just do it, I mean, honestly... It, <laughs> 
it's going to sound a little bit like drinking the Kool-Aid or whatnot, but I mean, that is how that business is run. And if you have an idea, you just go. And if you fail, it's okay. Love just it. Like jump back up and go and just keep trying to keep going. So it's that fail fast mentality, right? Um, and it's not a place where, um, where you know, at least from my experience and, all, and mm-hmm. what I'm seeing from, from a business perspective, it's very matrixed, right? So there's not a lot of straight lines anywhere. You can kind of carve your path and you can all right. figure it out yourself. So if you're a person that doesn't need to have things completely spelled out for you, but you are an entrepreneur and you have, um, you have the confidence to just run and go and figure it out and try things and fail and keep going, it's a really cool place to work. Um, and that's essentially what my job is. I just got thrown into a situation that said, hey, look, we need some help in this. And for the last nine, 10 months, I've been, I've been figuring out and making it better. Um, and yeah, so for me, that's great. Uh, but if you, you know, would be maybe hesitant of like a matrix style of an environment, you might want to think, you know, twice. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. It's great to hear that such a large company operates that way. Mm-hmm. So coming down the home stretch here, if you had to give one single piece of advice to somebody to be successful in recruitment, what would that be? Man, learn the fundamentals early. Um, you know what I mean? Learn, learn the fundamentals, learn the right way to speak to people, learn the right way to interview, get familiar with the laws, get familiar with, with all of those kinds of things, and then be genuine. And, and honestly, I mean, it sounds kind of cheesy again, just do the right thing for people. Just do the right, you know what I mean? Just if, if you think you're doing the wrong thing, stop. Because it's yes. going to give you a bad reputation. It's going to give your employer a bad reputation. Everything's about experiences now, right? So it's about, you know, like internally, we focus so much on hiring manager experience. And we're the experience of our, you know, working with our stakeholders and the colleagues. Um, the buzzword right now is candidate experience for a good reason. It's really, really important. So if you can focus on those things and providing good experiences for people, it's only going to help you shine um, and, and just do the right thing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and companies really need to understand that your recruiters and your hiring managers are your frontline ambassadors. It's the first experience a potential new employee has with your company. That has to be a stellar experience. And I cannot, cannot reinforce that enough. Justin, what was your, your biggest career, career failure to date? And what did you learn from that? Ooh, heavy question. Heavy. Uh, I think early in my career, uh, it was, you know, if you're feeling a certain way about something, uh, or you're feeling that a change needs to be made, uh, not just, not just going for it and not just doing it, but you know, it, when you're in a favor, you might be lacking a little confidence. You might be, you know, Hey, I got it pretty good. What am I kind of complaining about? And just sitting back and resting, um, it's just going to eat away at you. Right. And it's just going to eat away and you're not going to be happy. Um, if you, if you start to get those kinds of feelings, it's time to make a change. Yep. Um, especially in recruiting, right? If you're not digging recruiting anymore, ugh, you don't want to keep, you don't want to keep doing it. No, it's a downward sense, spiral, man. I was kind of learning to not dig it, but it was more circumstance. It was more kind of projects that I was working on. So then it was like, no, I really do like this. Then I start to be vocal. And honestly, how to get out of it uh, and how I've gotten out of it every time when I'm starting to feel that way is just create a new opportunity. Yep. Just go and do it. I'm with you. Uh, and, and just start doing it. And then you get recognized for doing things that maybe, you know, you maybe don't need to ask permission for everything. Exactly. You kind of start doing it yourself. And then guess what? It turns into something else. And then you move into a different role. And then if you can manifest it and state a case for it, then I say, just go for it. Hell yeah, man. And, and what has been your greatest accomplishment so far? I am the most proud of maintaining the same job level of service knowledge and being able to do it all over the world. Right. Um, and, yeah, dude. Uh, I'm really proud of the fact that I've lived in all these different places and that I've got a network in all these different places and I've learned from all these kind of cultures. Um, and I can try to take pieces away of, you know, 
things from that and apply it to what I'm doing now. Um, and so I feel extremely accomplished in the sense that um, I've been to all these places. I know a lot of like, people and all the things that I've learned. I try to share that with other people, um, you know, as well. Um, Sharing is caring, man. Being in new places, eating crazy food, you know, trying everything, <laughs> trying everything. Living out. life. Living life's your fullest, dude. You're crushing me, that's it. it, man. I yeah. love it. Dustin, who, who has influenced you most professionally? Influenced me. You know, it's funny. I am in a space where I've been seeking mentors for a long time interesting so you have not found that that mentor I've publicly you know you're talking linkedin video and all these kinds of things when i was living in germany i did quite a few of those and they were on recruiting topics or not one of them i actually made was all about the fact that i kind of think i need a mentor um and and officially i've never had that so i feel like a lot of times i'm just kind of fumbling around or stumbling and, and taking steps and moving um I can ask people, and so I guess I kind of do have them, but not officially. Is, is it like a is it like a career growth yeah. personal mentor? Like, where where do you feel like you need that? That mentor? I think to be honest, that you know, to be vulnerable, I think it's on my personal and my professional side because of all the changes that I've been through and the places that I've lived and the things we've encountered and and all of that and some of the struggles we've had with our family and the reason why I'm back in Portland and all these things uh, kind of stack up. So I think you know, I could even. I mean, you've had a lot of coaches on your uh, on your show, and I, I pay attention to a lot. I kind of, you know, I kind of want one for myself, um, you know, to kind of do that. So I don't know if I can answer. I mean, honestly, from a professional standpoint, there's not too many people I would highlight. I get a lot of great advice. I've worked with a lot of with a lot of really great people. Um, but I kind of go back to my family. Um, my mom and dad, uh, you know, they've been divorced for quite a while. They're still really good friends, and I'm really close with both of them. And they don't do what I do, but they've got a lot of life experience and a lot of wisdom. Um, and often if I'm stuck, I go to my parents and I ask them about this and kind of talk through things because, man, they are so wise. I love and it, dude. Get a lot of that the elders. Let's get back to respecting our elders and appreciating sure. them. Dustin, sure. t- two questions that I ask every guest on the podcast. First, what is your superpower? What do you do better than anybody else? Your innate, ingrained in your DNA superpower. Well, I'm pretty amazing, so I've probably got several of them, uh, Adam. Uh, I <laughs> you could you could you could have as many. There's no women here, man. Good for you. I'm a collaborator, man. I build bridges. I bring people together. I I, I rally people behind uh, an idea or a cause, and we find ways to solve complicated problems. Um, that's that's what I do on my job now, and that's what I've done for the past little bit. And I love it. And I love to do it within my team. I love to do that. I like to extend it, you know, globally. I work with a lot of teams in Asia now. I just love that aspect um, of what I do. Um, I have been able to build an amazing network. And I I had mentioned to you before, um, you know, I leverage that network daily in my job. And if I've ever needed a job, that's how I've gotten my job. Oh, yeah. Job and gotten it. It's always through my network. Um, And so I think that's that that could be considered a superpower. And to be honest, we we just talked about it a little bit. It's interviewing. I love to interview, I love to meet people, I love to ask questions. Um, You know, I love what you do with the podcast. I think it's awesome. You should do a podcast, man. Preparing for it. You know what I mean? Prepare, outline it, know what you're trying to do, have the questions that you know are going to help you get there. But then the key is all about probing, actually listening to what's going on and asking follow-up questions to get the information that you need. I find that stuff fascinating. Um, Outside of recruiting, I've only been able to do that. When I lived in Korea, I started writing a blog. that got some attention. And then the blog ended up leading to me working for an English language magazine in Korea. Um, so that was the first time I got to interview uh, and then take it and turn it into written word based on the people that I was interviewing. And it was like athletes and, you know, some, some quasi celebrities in Korea and those kinds of things as well. Um, and so for me, it was, it, it all came down to interviewing, right? That skill of really listening to people and following and uh, following up and doing, doing that kind of thing. I, I pride myself on being good at that. 
I think, I think the listening is one of the most underrated skills. We hear, we don't listen. And believe me, my wife will tell you that I'm guilty of not listening sometimes. <laughs> when it comes down to my job, I'm listening all the time. And, and Dustin, last but not least, when you're on fire, when things are awesome, when things are going great and you look to the sky for gratitude, or when you're having a real shitty day, things are down in the dump, you know, nothing's working, things are going on at home, kids being a pain in the ass. What is, what is your North Star? What do you look to to pull you up? It's my family. You know, I've had to make a lot of difficult decisions, um, you know, uh, and those are all based on doing what's best for, for my wife and my kids and, you know, and, and, and my extended family as well. Um, that's it, man. That's what drives you. That's what keeps you going. I love to be a dad and I want, I want them to be better than I am. And I want to do everything I can so that they grow up better than their dad, smarter than their dad, stronger than their dad. Uh, and man, I'm so proud right now that I, you know, like my kids have two passports, right? They're Canadian and American. Nice. That's fucking sweet. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's really great. Uh, I don't have that, but I've already been able to give them something that's better than what. That's incredible. Uh, so. And I, and I always say that, man, like our purpose on earth is to leave this place a better, leave this earth a better place than when we found it. And for me, that's by creating my two kids. My two children I know are going to be better than me and my wife because we are teaching them the mistakes that we made and to be better. And yes, they're going to make their own mistakes and I want them to make lots of mistakes, but I want them to learn from us too. Dustin, this is incredible, man. Um, I love connecting with you, dude. And let's, let's keep the good times rolling, man. And I'm gonna try to get out there soon. Maybe maybe I'll come crash the Oregon Zoo recruiter <laughs> party. So closing thoughts here. Um, there are not many lifelong recruiters out there, as most of us fall into it. But Dustin is a purebred. He's a purebred. He's a Clydesdale, and his story has so many awesome elements. His travels, his experiences, and working at top organizations has given him the insight to be a thought leader in our industry, and it's a responsibility that he takes seriously. And whatever industry you're in, it's critical to ensure that the perception is positive, not just to the outside world, but from within. Otherwise, it could turn ugly fast, as it has in recruiting. However, it's amazing pros like Dustin that are doing great work to change that, as it's critical for all of our success. And I hope that by showcasing Dustin's career journey and successes, that it has inspired you one way or another. Maybe it's to travel more, to find inspiration and broaden your horizons. For me, I truly value his experience, insights, and most importantly, his authenticity. He's a real deal. Build your network from within. Build it from the outside. Build it with the right people who add value. And more importantly, you could add value to them as well. It's not transactional, people. Take the time to get to know somebody. You don't just want something with your hand out. And if you feel like your network is lacking, as a wise man named Nike once said, just do it. Seriously, reach out. Make it happen. Make authentic connections, both online and offline, and watch the magic happen like we did here today. Dustin, where can folks connect with you? Two best places on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me under my name. There's not too many Dustin Wilshers out there. And then I recently started a Twitter as well that I'm looking to grow. So you can find me on there uh, as well. But yeah, LinkedIn's kind of the holy grail. Uh, and I, I will respond to everybody that sends me messages. I make a point to do that. So. Awesome. And I'll have Reach those links. And we're going to have a sidebar. We're going to have another conversation because it's something we didn't talk about is what would happen if LinkedIn went away. And we're going to, I'm going to have Dustin, I'm going to have Dustin back on before, before the end of the year. And we're going to dig in a little bit deeper to that. But anyway, Dustin, thank you so much for joining me today. I greatly appreciate it. You're the man and we're going to keep the good times rolling. And to everyone listening, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Please follow us on all the social media channels, the link, subscribe, comment, share. I appreciate it. And remember, take your online offline.
Thank you for joining us. And catch us next week for another amazing episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode, jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com. <laughs>